Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have some special guests with us all the way from the great state of Tennessee. We have Garen and Lachelle Burkett. So, Garen and Lachelle, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to be able to hear their story today, and I can't wait for you guys to, uh, to listen in and to be able to hear what God has done in, in their lives and their marriage. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to let you know that we are a listener-supported broadcast. That means the only way that you're either seeing us or hearing us is because we've just had faithful and generous partners come along and support what we're doing in this ministry. Uh, this has allowed us to be able to reach people in over 100 countries around the world, um, it's it's amazing to see these reports come in from places like even Pakistan or even um, uh, Eastern countries in China and, and Japan and other places. And so if you'd like to help support and continue to expand our reach, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate button. Well, Garen and Lachelle, I really do uh, want our listeners just to be able to kind of get to know you and, and hear your story because I think you have a a story that's worth telling. And so I'm just going to turn it over to you guys so you can introduce yourselves and just kind of tell us um, where you've come from, some of the brokenness that's been part of your, your history, and then really just some of the things that God has done in your life and in your marriage. And uh, we really want to unpack a lot of the things that you've learned along the way that you think would be helpful for our listeners. Um, and then eventually we want to be able to point them to some resources that you guys are putting out. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, I'll let yeah. Garen start, so. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess just to jump into the, the story, uh, and then we just kind of roll from there. Um, my exposure started probably 9, 10, 12 years old, um, just hanging with some friends, and, and I think his father had some magazines at the house, and we would flip through those, see those, um, just the attraction for that, and... Uh, and it just kind of caught me in the right place at the right time, I guess. Um, that continued through probably high school where uh, internet became more prevalent and um, just available and those things. I was able to have it at the house and have it where where I could more or less hide from to be able to have the, the availability for that. Uh, same thing into college, had the internet, had that stuff available to do and see um, so during this, during this whole time, basically, you know, middle school, junior high, all the way through college, you, you were, you were engaging porn, but you were doing it secretly. Is that right? So basically did, did, did nobody in your family know what was going on or was there ever anybody that you had told about what you were engaged in? No, I really didn't talk to anybody about it. Um, I think I may have been caught once or twice with a magazine or so and, I was told that was wrong and I shouldn't do that. And it was kind of the extent of the reprimand I received for it. Um, So really, no, I didn't uh, address it or bring it into the light for anything with anybody. And were there ever any conversations in your home growing up about the topic of sex or sexuality or anything like that? Not much. No. Um, Grew up in a pretty conservative house that uh, we really didn't, do a lot of feelings sharing and, and those type of things. Um, I grew up with uh, three siblings, so it's pretty full, pretty busy home. And uh, my father traveled quite a lot. So there was a, a, a lot of probably the lack of that, that influence in my life that helped uh, really push me into these places. So then what happened after you got into college? 
um, got into college. At that point, Lachelle and I started dating. Um, and really, I think the work was just hiding it from her the same as I hid from anybody else. Um, and, uh, and just, I think, was probably starting to get, didn't think, I was starting to get convicted at that point. Um, my walk with Christ was, was picking up a little more. Um, she had finished college ahead of me. And um, she had actually started really walking with the Lord at that time and kind of driving me into that or push, pulling me into that, that as well, I guess. And uh, then just the conviction started to really come in. Um, still didn't share it with anybody, really had no community at the time to, that was uh, being accountable or, or anything for any of that. And... I guess it's, it's really one of those where I figured, you know, marriage and having a wife and those type of things would, would eliminate the, the issues that I had with porn. And that really didn't happen that way. I think it just at times added to some of those triggers, some of those stresses, some of those things that at the time I didn't know what was driving me to this, or I didn't really identify it or slow down to figure it out. I was just using porn. Um, yeah. And no, did, uh, before you guys got married, did you share this with Lachelle or was it still a secret? Still a secret. She had no idea. Okay. So you guys got married and Lachelle, you had no clue what was going on. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, we, we actually dated for seven years. Okay. So, and I, I mean, I'll be full disclosure. We were even sexually active before we got married. And so it wasn't, certainly there's a part of that for me, you know, there would be no thought process for me to think about that. But I'll also say that I, uh, Garen's going to talk about a bit about the disclosure, but I just really didn't have a compartment for porn and understanding the ramifications for it. It was in my home of origin. It was also really acceptable. Um, I say oftentimes when I share my stories, like the visual consumption of women was very normal in my mm. house. Um, there was biker magazines or the calendars in the garage. There's, you know, it just wasn't, um, so even just the value of a woman that wasn't really modeled for me. So even still when Garen's addiction came out, I, uh, I'll share a bit more about that, but like, I just didn't even know what to do with it. Cause I was like, well, the men in my life have, were already doing this in a very casual way. So as Garen was sharing this with me, I didn't know what to do with it exactly, but mm -hmm. we'll get to that in a second. So I'll let you. And so Garen, you were saying that, that conviction was sort of on the rise. Like in other words, you're having an increased discomfort with this secret in your life, right? So at what point were you starting to realize something's got to give on my secret? Something's got to happen in order for things to change. Yeah, I think it was, um, I mean, just after we got married and realizing that this wasn't make helping that go away, that, that um, I think then, and then my walk with the Lord was, was getting stronger at the time, um, spending more time in the word and really understanding more that, that this is a problem. And like she had said, growing up, you know, there was, there was nothing abnormal for us to, to have the, the consumption or have porn or have women, the magazines, the catalogs, the calendars, those things. So I didn't realize it was a, truly a problem until probably that point. Um, and then when I guess you'd, you'd say the D-Day or the, the day 
we kind of finally sat down and and I told her about the problem was uh, we had a sermon at church where there was a, a uh, actually a friend of ours now um, that was up on the stage and they did kind of a one-on-one -on -one interview and he was talking about his struggles and his problems and it was to kind of help kick off a new men's group um, for pornography addiction and recovery and the one thing he said at the end that um, the pastor had even saying is there anything else you'd like to share or anything else you'd like to say and he just said you know I strongly recommend or, or would, would love for you, the people sitting out in the audience now, to just ask yourself, is this a problem? Is this something that we need to deal with or something that I need to deal with? And there, we all have those moments in church where the story or the sermon is directed right at you. Mm -hmm. I was like you know, two inches tall in my chair at that time. So um, I think driving home, we did talk about it. And I think I blew it off, said, ah, oh, you know, I've looked at it, but I don't know, it's really a, a problem. And then later that evening, we finally sat down and just had the conversation and talked about that truly is a problem for me. And I've been doing what I thought I could do or should do to, to eliminate the problem. And nothing's really working at that point. So what was that like for you, Garen, to to finally get out into the open, something that you had been really carrying as a secret for a long, long time? I mean, this goes all the way back to nine, 10 years old, right? Yeah. Um, what was that like for you to finally get it out? Um, it was, you know, it was a weight lifted. But at the same time, I think it was really just opening a door, um, starting that journey that we didn't know what it looked like. We had no idea what to do with it, but just taking that first step was a big aspect, a big big part of the whole thing for us. So then, Lachelle, I'd like to know then what that moment was like for you, but also just kind of what had been happening in your life up to that moment mm -hmm. um, so that we can kind of have some context for what this looked like for you as a wife dealing with this now. Sure. So... Um, I would say that coming up to this point, you know, uh, like I said, Garen and I were, we dated for seven years. I was really driven in my career at that time. And um, I think I was even, I was even traveling quite a bit at the point where even the disclosure came out. Um, so I was on the road and I was just trying to really stay focused on, you know, us growing as a new married couple. And so, like I said, I didn't really have a understanding of porn addiction necessarily. I, when he, when he shared this and when he disclosed this, I, I want to make sure that it's clear. Like there was legit pain. There was rejection for me. Now, what I will say is that, um, I did eventually experience betrayal trauma when it came into this particular, into our story, but it actually didn't happen until four months later. So Garen disclosed things. I went into, I'll support you, go do your group, whatever you need to do, let's make this happen. And go so, exactly, go get fixed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because that was my mindset is there's a problem, go get it fixed. And there, I didn't really recognize that there was anything necessarily happening for me. I just thought he's going to go get this handled and then we'll be fine. And then four months into him being in the support group, he actually had gone on a business trip and he came back and confessed that he had a slip. Um, and he did try to minimize it a bit and, um, a lot, actually not a bit, but a lot. And I will tell you that that is when I say, when I share my story is I lost my ever loving mind because 
he wasn't supposed to be broken anymore. He was doing things to get fixed. And so now he's telling me that he's doing things that are counter to what I thought we agreed to. And so there was a huge level of betrayal that happened for me then. And that was when a lot of my behaviors escalated. I, I felt very out of control. Um, I was very controlling, overwhelmed. Emotions were all over the place. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I know it was a lot for Garen too, but so. Yeah. Cause I think when, you know, when you have that reaction, which is sort of like, this is a problem to be fixed, then your mindset is only towards, well, then there's a clear solution that just you engage your will. You say, I'm not going to cross that line anymore and get whatever tools you need in order to make sure you don't cross that line anymore. And then We'll just go on our merry way, right? Absolutely. And what I'm hearing you say is that, oh, four months in, and you realize that what Garen's actually having to deal with isn't as simple as just a problem to be fixed, that there's all these layers to it, that there's a history, that there's wounds, that there's all kinds of, you know, dynamics to what got to got Garen to this point. And you can't just flip a switch and say, okay, now I'm going to be a godly, mature man of integrity overnight. Yes. There's all this stuff that's been influencing and shaping the way Garen's processed things, the way he views life. You know, there's, there's a grid that's been created. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned, Lachelle, that, you know, up to that point, you didn't really have, you had a history of men who obviously were objectifying women or looking at, you know, images and things like that. But you hadn't, you said you didn't understand pornography addiction. And I'd love for both of you to talk about that because, Garen, I mean, while you obviously knew, hey, something's not right about this and I'm, I'm not feeling a peace, there's a discord in my life. The longer I carry this secret and the more I engage with this secret, what was it like for both of you to discover like what pornography addiction is? and what you need to do about it. Cause Garen, I'm sure there were a lot of discoveries you were making as you started engaging group and maybe, you know, started trying to get help from others. And then like you said, Lachelle, obviously this was a wake up call for you of realizing, Oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, for me, just starting off in recovery at that point, cause I, I ended up joining that group that they were talking about at church um, we started with some of Doug Weiss's material through the step 12 step program. And I've never been through anything in that sense before. So I think the structure within that program really helped me personally in the journey to understand that this isn't like you said, just flip a switch and all of a sudden I'm better or say I'm going to get better. And, and, and I am, it's a journey and it's work to get there. And there's a cost on both ends. Um, the cost to stay in the addiction and and to um, just be disconnected and, and out of relationship or the cost to do the work. And, and, and as we experienced to actually in that moment, lose relationships that, that we've had for, for our point of growing up because we were choosing something different than what our world was at the time. Mm. Um, so it was, for me to understand the addiction, I think it took beyond that four months. I think it took six, eight, nine months to really understand that, that even though I, I knew I had a problem or I knew there was a problem there and I couldn't stop it on my own to really come to terms, it, it was an addiction and it was bigger than anything I could do. And it was bigger than what I could just pray away. And what I'm hearing you say is that you realized that the recovery process is not just, Hey, I need to, I need to kind of tweak 
a few areas in my life, recovery is really like a paradigm shift. It's kind of like I, I, um, I often liken it to the difference between going on a diet and making lifestyle changes around your eating habits. <laughs> yeah. And and so that's what I'm hearing you say, Garen, is you know, six, eight, nine months kind of figuring out, oh, you know what? This is going to be not what I maybe initially thought it was going to be in terms of recovery. It sounds like you were getting a greater understanding of this is a full paradigm shift that means things on a fundamental level have to change in my life, life, not just on a superficial level. And so, Lachelle, what was this like for you then, kind of the sort of coming to grips with what this really meant, not only for Garen, but also for your marriage and your relationship? Yeah, um, it was, I, I'm just going to say that by the grace of God, the Lord took me on my own journey. Because when all of this started happening and I started recognizing that this was betrayal and that there was lots of pain and hurt happening. And by the way, I didn't have the word betrayal when all this first started. That's a word I've learned since. But, um, and, you know, growing and trying to figure out and make sense of everything, trying to um, learn what was happening with Garen, but more importantly, what was happening with me was really important because Prior to this, I didn't really give a whole lot of that in my own personal. I mean, yes, I had the influence of family members, but on the other side of it, I also had a self-worth that was in the toilet. Like Mm -hmm. I had an eating disorder for a long time. I had a lot of confidence issues, um, lots of fear. And so the way that I cared for myself, cared for myself was to perform, do well in my job, had a lot of pride in my relationship with my husband. I got to marry a guy who was a great friend, you know, all these different things that were playing into trying to make me feel better. So when this foundation literally exploded underneath me, um, there was a huge shift that had to happen. And, you know, a lot of times when I talk to women, it's like, I talk about, you know, our home is essentially burnt to the ground. And so we had to sit with that reality for a period of time and go, what are we going to do now? And there were days where we thought we had a great plan and we knew exactly how it was going to come back together and how we were going to rebuild this house. And then we would get a room done and we'd have to demo it because it did, it wasn't, it was not functioning well. Right. So we spent, and you know, I'll expedite this a bit because we, this wasn't just like a one and done. We didn't just have one disclosure. And then all of a sudden we just entered into recovery bliss. Like this was, this was challenging. I mean, there were slips upon slips for several years. And I think I'll speak for Garen, but he would use the description. He was white knuckling it for about Mm -hmm. five years. And it was, uh, like you said, learning the skills being in there. And then, so we had five years of quote sobriety with several slips in there. Um, I wouldn't say they were full blown relapses. And then at five years, he had a major relapse and ended up getting busted looking at porn at work and was at risk of losing his job. And at that point in time in our home, I had been, I had found some women that were very safe for me and were creating an environment that was, I had the ability to show up and just be right where I was. I didn't have to put on a face. I didn't have to be, if I was broken, I could be broken. And if I was laughing and joyful, I could be laughing and joyful. So, um, so I had that community as my, um, kind of my under support system. That's what I was looking for support system. Um, but 
when this relapse happened, we had three small children and uh, we live out of state from all of our family. And so this was, this was a major blow. So I'll, I'll let you say about like what was going on for you in that season. Yeah, but. No, I think through the, the work that we had done, uh, one of the, the kind of pieces of advice we had been given was setting consequences. And at that point, the consequence was for a relapse was that I was moving, I was to be out of the house. Um, I think the night we sat and talked about all of this and I, I, I disclosed that I had been caught at work and, and all the things that happened there that we both talked about it for a little bit. And it's like the Lord just gave both of us at the exact same time, that reminder that I was supposed to be leaving. And I think we both wrestled with that because of life in general, like she said, three young kids, a busy house, busy life, all those things. And I was not going to be part of that for, for whatever amount of time the Lord had for us there. So I think we both fought that, but we were both going to be obedient to what the Lord had already set for us was that consequence. And I packed a bag and made a few peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I, I left. Um, I had no clue where I was going, no clue what I was doing, just leaving. Cause that's what, we were called to do or asked to do with, with the, with that consequence. Um, I actually ended up on, uh, in a park sitting, uh, kind of in, in a riverbank there and had my recovery material and I had my Bible and set up a chair and just sat there literally all night overnight till the sun rose, just trying to work through and be upset with the Lord because of the stupid things I did and not what he did. And, um, just try to understand more of what he had for us in that. So it was, uh, so what did you discover? Um, what did you discover about yourselves in, you know, five years into this recovery process and, and Garen, what did you discover about yourself both in, in terms of what led to that particular relapse and then what you learned needed to change at an even deeper level? Like what were some of the discoveries you made in that season. And then Lachelle, I'd love to hear kind of what you also discovered in your own personal journey at sort of a, a new level or layer of, of growth and healing. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me in that, uh, of course, what led up to it uh, really was isolation. Uh, my community group had slowed down. We weren't meeting quite as much, uh, disconnected. Um, the triggers were coming in. Our, our contract at the job I was at was was coming to an end um, in the management role. They weren't renewing that position with me. They were most likely looking somewhere else. So I had the, you know, that burden of, of provision and, and things in my family. And I didn't have a community to really work through anything that I was feeling, anything that was going through me or, or it was going on with me. And I just bottled it up. And that's when I those few things all piled together and I started to cope again and I went back to looking at porn. Mm-hmm. Michelle, what about you? What were some of the things that you learned during that season? Well, it's interesting because um, I think other things to add to Garen's stress that we recognized later was we had three small children. Our son at the time, our number three was six months old. So we had a new baby. Um, plus two, we had, uh, we had three kids in three years. I think they're all, or four years maybe. So they were little. Um, 
we had just bought a house because our family was getting bigger. We had also bought a car because our family was getting bigger. Like there was lots of change that was happening. Mm -hmm. And then also this unknown of work and income. And I was staying home with the kids. Um, I also had a real wrestle with postpartum after our son was born. And so that was contributing to some of my disconnect, right? But also being a new mom and doing all those things. What I learned, this is going to be my big takeaway. No matter how much I wanted to, I am only one person and I cannot be in charge of Garen's self-care. And so when all of this came back out and all of a sudden we're sitting in our living room and reality is, you know, hit the fan again that he has just used and is, by the way, potentially going to lose his job because of it. I had this moment where when I responded to Garen, he makes it sound like we had this really nice, like, tea conversation. I don't remember it like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. It was devastating. Um, but I remember, I do remember that the response I had when he, he finally confessed everything and told me what was going on. I remember saying, that's a real bummer. And I know now looking back that that had to have been, I joke, but I believe it to be true that the Holy spirit literally had to be sitting on me because mm -hmm. my flesh response would have been to get up and probably punch him or do something that would just make me feel better for a second. Right. And so when I had, when I had that moment of being able to say, that's a real bummer, the Lord was showing me later in the days and weeks after that, that what had happened for me is that I had been doing my own work and healing to where Garen's choices would not destroy me mm -hmm. because the Lord, no matter what the Lord was going to be here for me. And so I looked at him as a friend. I looked at Garen as a friend that like this friend of mine, I want him to succeed so much, but I don't get to decide it for him. I get to love him through it. But when the choice is made, the choice is made. And then at that point we had to implement the consequences that we had agreed to. So, so we've only, we've only got a few minutes left. Um, but what I would love to do is just, if, as you guys have, I mean, obviously you, you've learned a lot over, over this season. Um, and of course, now that you guys have, you know, you got it all together now. I mean, you're all perfect by now. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> we want all the information you can give us because uh, I mean, I'm joking, obviously the journey is ongoing, right? Yes. I think one of the things that's, uh, one of the things that's, I think a beautiful outcome of entering into the honesty that recovery requires is that you recognize that there's always going to be new layers of growth. They don't always have to be at the same level of pain or intensity, but it's like, there's always new level layers of growth that we can have. And, um, and I think a lot of those things are learned kind of in the, in the fire of recovery and healing. So I'd love for you each to just be able to share just whatever kind of insights or whatever thing that you would want to share. Like Garen, for instance, what would you want to share with the guys out there that either they haven't come to terms with deal, bringing their secret into the light or they have and they're struggling or Lachelle, what would you want to bring to those wives? Just a, a word of encouragement. Maybe if they're feeling like they're in that second wave so to speak, of dealing with relapse or um, those kind of things. Just anything that you guys would like to share with our audience would be helpful, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. Um, I know personally for me, community is a huge part of this process and you can't do it alone. You need other men around you that will help you work through 
just everything that's going on and be able to be just flat honest when you're, like she said, having a great day to laugh and, and smile and have a good time or to sit there and cry with you as you're having a bad day and, and help you work through those things. Um, and I think it's just the, the, the knowledge and, and the truth that, that God's great is or God's grace is just really good. And for people that are struggling to even expose this or to talk about this or those that are in it, that are recovering, that are still having a hard time really relating to it or understanding it. I did the same thing, you know, coworkers and friends and, and finally started talking to some of those people and telling them about my struggles and every fear that I had of, of them, you know, never talking to me again or, or just all the ways that you could imagine they would treat you. The Lord was amazingly graceful in those things and, um, and just kept the people around us and brought more people around us that were going to help us in the journey together and helped us to understand those people that we, that were not supposed to be around us as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would, I would echo a lot of what Garen said. I think that, you know, I, I don't think it's an accident that Jesus had disciples because he's modeling community for us. Right. And those men needed each other to refine each other. Um, and I believe that to be true even for, I think any, I think it's true for the whole body of Christ, but, um, it was one of the places that I realized later that I really neglected. I mean, I had community and I had safe place to do this, but, um, it, so I shouldn't have said it and neglected. It was a place that actually gave me life in regards to, uh, what Garen and I actually kind of said before we got on the call was my community allowed me to not be okay. And Garen didn't have to be in charge of my well-being. Like I had this place to be able to go as much as I wanted Garen to heal me. And let me say that that was the true, honest fact, right? I was my anger, my rage, my pleading, all the different things that I attempted to do in the, in throughout the seasons of our, of our journey was me trying to get Garen to make me feel better because he broke it. So he, I need him to fix it, right? He broke my heart and I need him to fix it. And over the course of these last 14 years, the truth that I've had to settle on is that the only one that can heal my heart is the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I've got to stop putting that kind of pressure on someone else who's also flesh and human and full of sin. And so the Lord has just given me really clear picture. And I'm just going to share this really quick is um, there was one particular time where I was reading the story of the woman with the blood disease and her reaching for the Lord's garment. And that story just always sticks so close to me because I'm like, I can just relate to all that was happening for her as a broken woman myself. Like I didn't choose this. I don't want it. And I don't know how to make it better. Right. And so her getting to that place of desperation. And there was one particular time where I was reading it and the Lord said, you know, all this time you've been trying to go for Garen's garment mm. and you've been hoping that there's going to be healing coming out of him of his garment. Right. And that just was so profound for me, even though I would tell you I wanted nothing from Garen and I wanted him to stay like there were seasons of him to get away from me and I hate him and all that. There was still parts of my soul that was so desperate for this to be made right. And the only place I could get healing was from the Lord. And mm -hmm. so that would be my encouragement to women is to get into safe, healthy community that is going to constantly push you back to Jesus. Cause it's the only place you're going to find your healing. 
Absolutely. Well, as, as we wrap up here, what are some, uh, where can we point some people uh, who want to get help? Um, you know, Lachelle, you have a ministry to wives, but anything that you guys would like to share, and certainly we want to be able to give your website as well, but um, that you think would be helpful resource-wise uh, resource for, for men and women and couples in these um, kind of situations. Okay. Like um, I said, and earlier on, my first recovery stuff was with Dr. Weiss's material, Doug Weiss. And then actually even now, a group I'm with, um, we're going through Jay Stringer's book, Jay Stringer's book, Unwanted. Mm -hmm. um, and it's this really great perspective on recovery and, and what drives you to the addiction and, and how to understand that. Um, I mean, for the years we've been in this, it's still bringing new things and, and new realizations and new understandings around just even the depth that, that where the addiction has really settled in me and the work that it takes to come out of it. And I, for anybody, just your local church, there's communities to seek that for a man wanting or needing recovery. Um, there's, there's always something local too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, this is always a loaded question for me, John, because Jonathan, cause I like all the resources. I want you to take advantage of whatever's the best fit for you. Um, I do run a nonprofit called hope redefined and you can find us at hope redefined.com. That's our website. Um, we offer online support groups for wives. We also do one-to-one -one coaching and we have a retreat that we offer twice a year for women. Um, I would say be broken ministries is another place to go for sure. Um, I know that you all offer online support groups for men as well. And that's powerful. I, I know that, um, that's one of the places I refer to. Um, and then I'm also part of an organization called APSATS, APSATS.org. And that is a listing of professionals who've been trained in this area of betrayal trauma for partners. And I think it's a great place to be able to um, really find somebody that can support you as you begin to heal. Yeah. Well, Garen and Lachelle, I just I appreciate you guys uh, being with us and sharing your story today. So thanks for being on the program. Thank you yeah, for having you. us. Yeah. And listeners, you know, we're always glad that you're with us. And of course, if you do have uh, questions, if you're in this kind of season where you're dealing with recovery issues, dealing with what does restoration of a relationship look like, uh, please reach out to us. We'd love to help you work through that. We love to point people to resources like what Garen and Lachelle have been talking about here, but we've also got a whole network all around the country and even some around the world that can help you to get well. But we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.